This episode is personal for me. I was diagnosed early this year as having severe ADHD, especially struggling with distractibility and suffering from boredom. Those were words that were part of my diagnosis. This diagnosis never would have been a part of my worldview if it wasn't for a dear friend who I facilitate with that shared with me their own learnings of a recent diagnosis with ADHD. In that conversation, this friend asked me with curiosity if I'd ever considered, given my spontaneity and creative nature, these beautiful gifts in my life, (laughs) that I might also have ADHD. These gifts are also linked to an undercurrent of never quite feeling like I belong and often wondering why I couldn't hack it in the corporate world the way others can. So much became illuminated for me in that diagnosis and even more importantly continues to be illuminated for me as I hear more and more stories from the people around me who, like me, walk every day of our lives with a beautiful mind and a shadow of things like overwhelm, shame, guilt, and more, as we attempt to fit in to a system and structure that might not fully support our way of thinking and working. I've always believed in the power of story. Never in my life has story helped me understand myself as much as those shared within the community of folks I know who have a similar journey as I do of walking with ADHD. Today's guest, Carm Tang, shares a similar sentiment. I have recognized how important it is to share stories, personal perspectives, stories of struggle, stories of triumph, all of those things that go along with ADHD and and being a neurodiverse individual. And really what inspired me to begin even exploring my own ADHD journey was uh, a talk given at work within a program that we ran with a super high-level executive who essentially, as a project at the end of the program, delivered a speech on her own journey with depression. And she was a C-suite professional. She looked so well put together, just such a lovely, intelligent person. But I just remember her speaking and me having tears just stream down my face. It it was just like, oh man, I think, I think I feel a lot of what she's feeling sometimes. Carmelita Tang currently works in the executive development field for the Ivy Academy at the Ivy Business School. She's in her 16th year of working in a nine-to-five environment, with most of that time spent working in higher education and professional associations such as the Chartered Professional Accountants of Ontario. Diagnosed with ADHD in the latter part of her university studies, Carm has been fumbling towards excellency, a Sarah McLaughlin reference, ever since then. Today, we get to peek into the heart, the mind, and the journey and learn how Carm has been thriving in our nine to five systems and what she's been masking. We also weave in the voices of a few other guests from previous and upcoming episodes to highlight some of Carm's experiences through shared voices. My name is Sarah Plankert, and you are listening to Iterations, the podcast. We talk to the brave, unconventional Canadian leaders and innovators who are making it their business to reinvent 
or shall we say iterate, the way we work. Let's make change together, because we can absolutely rebuild these systems and structures that humans invented in the first place. When I think about the average employee, and I think about going into work, giving a full eight hours, grinding every moment of the day, all that stuff, I'm wondering how good those outputs really are, you know, because it's, it's hard. It's really hard. For me, I find that my motivation and my ability to, to do really good work almost comes in spurts. You might remember Matt, a guest from the Managing Pace episode, where he shares a similar sentiment. I tend to work in, in sort of spurts. Um, and maybe this is the ADHD sort of frame of working a lot, but I'll find myself picking up tasks and then putting them down. So I'll take a task up to almost 85% complete and then something shiny happens off on the right and I'll go and I'll tackle that project and bring it up to 75. And so I'll have uh, at some point multiple plates spinning in the air that I'm kind of managing. And then I'll realize I actually have to submit all of these. So that's a difficult thing. And that's one thing that I wish that employers knew was that this employee person may seem to deviate from the norm, though I believe that the outputs that you get from people who have ADHD could be really, really, really great. If you allow the time, space, and support to allow the ADHD uh, the employee with ADHD to thrive. So things like office design, having that open office side for someone with ADHD is very difficult for that person to function. I bet you that employee takes their work home right. and gets more work done at home after their traditional nine to five. Mm-hmm. Then they get done in like in the actual office environment, guaranteed. And I've found myself doing this as well. If there's several meetings during a day, you know, and it takes you kind of, let's say, thirty to forty-five minutes of thinking time, and then that execution time, that deep work time, you need to get into a little bit of a flow. And when you're near that flow. Who knows how long that flow could last? It could literally last hours, 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 hours. I need an office with a door. I need everyone to go away. I need the perfect conditions for me to study, for me to read, for me to write, for me to focus. Perfect. The conditions need to be perfect because if they're not, I won't get my best work done. Matt also shared that our nine to five schedules don't necessarily stack up to getting the best creative work done. And I find myself doing a lot of creative work in my role ostensibly and wearing many hats during the day. And so I always find the nine to five to be a little limiting because the type of work that sometimes I do sort of does require that creative evening feelings. Um, And so I've in my career had to kind of carve out some evenings to be like, I'm going to only do this work 
in the evening. So sometimes that meant trying to find some work-life balance because if I'm going to give up my evening to do a little bit of creative work, I kind of want to take back a morning somewhere because I'm not a morning person at all. And so sort of the first three days of my nine to five are kind of shot generally anyways. I'll usually try to get that time back for myself and then make time in the evening available for some of the work that I feel that's easier to do during that time. So what happens when the employee with ADHD is trying to manage the nine to five grind and still get creative flow work done? I remember being in the office until like 1am. 1am in my office, not at home, just writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. And I was just like, this is what I need to do to feel like I've accomplished enough in my day some days. I recognize my shortcomings and I try my darndest to be able to still bring quality work day in and day out. It might look differently. I might work differently, but I try my darndest. And in times where I can't, like I, I've had conversations with my boss where I have literally cried so hard and I literally said, I feel like I'm disappointing you. And, you know, the conversation went, no, you are not. You you talked about shortcomings. And I, I'd love to explore, are these shortcomings or are these a person trying to fit into a system that doesn't fit everyone in? Yeah, that's that's very true. And when you're trying to make it especially in a corporate world. And even though I work for a you know, quasi-broader public sector, it's still part of the corporate world. You know, it, it's almost like you have to, you have to almost create your own system and you almost have to be, I feel like you almost have to be a certain type of person to, to be able to even have the courage to say, this doesn't work for me or I need to do this differently. It almost takes a certain personality to do it. Uh, you know, it almost takes a person who has that confidence. With the uh, growing up in systems where, you know, it's uh, that that work made for you, right? <laughs> think about think about the entire school system. Making kids sit at desks, learning, you know, learning to memorize things, being um, being sent to the principal's office because you're making too much noise or you, you wrote on your desk or, you know, you're just so bored. I guess from our upcoming episode on empathy, Alana Ben-Ari shares in her interview that she has ADHD and here's what she shares about her experience in school. Because my experience with school, it was just, it was not how I learned. I learned through experience. I learned through conversation. I learned through understanding the why of something and like connecting it to a bigger picture. I learned through having 20 different conversations at the same time. The ADHD brain that I love is like we're able to see patterns. We're able to connect insane things. There's so much creativity in it. There's so much creativity. And like, I don't know if you ever got this, but I would always told my whole life, like, you're weird. And I also feel like a lot of our systems 
are simply driven towards towards the labor market. We're going to rank them based on how well they perform these specific activities. Then we'll inflate them to make sure that they get into college or university and we can we can supply our labor market. Let's hear what Alana has to say about that struggle. You know, people would think that I'm I'm capable and successful, but I've always felt like everything is so hard. Nothing has ever felt just easy or in flow. It's just like I've succeeded despite how hard it is, or I've just figured out how to just like put up with things being so hard. <laughs> so what might it be like for folks like us to have a system that wasn't as hard for us? To understand that, I wonder what are the actual hindrances in our current nine to five? It, it really is um, for me that the lack of freedom to be able to do things your way. I think that's that's a big hindrance there. Sometimes structure is good. We all need structure some days. I find in my personal life, I tend to, I love structuring my day because if I don't, it's easy to get caught up in the small things and all of a sudden it's 5 p.m. Um, so structure is good sometimes, though it, it, it can't be, environments can't be overly structured for, for me because if they, if they, are and has you know even multiple levels or multiple steps or multiple this or you need to go by this script and you can only do this script and you can your phone calls have to be this amount of time you need to do this exact presentation that i created for you that type of stuff i think that makes working very difficult because you know even things like working memory there's a lot going on in this brain a lot. Right. <laughs> so when it comes down to actually memorizing things, that's really difficult. Again, what ways have you reshaped the system around you so it works for you? One thing that I'm very mindful of is, and I try to kind of uncover beforehand, is who who I will be reporting to, who my leaders will be in an organization. And to be able to lead for myself in my own way. Finding opportunities uh, to to use my creativity and skills is always super, super, super important for me. So being able to find an organization that will allow you to do that is is probably the best thing that you can possibly do. I've had the benefit of having a, a couple really, 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 really exceptional leaders. And I think being able to have leaders, mentors, coaches, even people who know you really well in the community and who are able to vouch for you in the community, in your network, like that's, that's so, so, so invaluable. I'm curious. Because research shows a big part of growing up with ADHD is walking with shame and walking with guilt. A big part of ADHD is actually trying to get over the personal guilt of 
taking on too much and realizing it and having to and having to let go. You know, and you do feel guilty because you don't want to let people down. You don't want to let people down. You you want to do all the things. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you want to do all the things that fill your soul. You want to do all the things that really get your get your mind going and and you want to be helpful. You want to do all of those things. You want to be the best that you can be. And my mind is always on fire, it feels like. You know, so it's always <laughs> like, oh, it was all of these ideas. But then because I have all of these ideas, though I am unable to execute all of them, I wonder if people just seem that I'm unreliable, you know? But at the end of the day, it's like, if my ideas are on hyperspeed and I'm able to execute, let's say, 10 to 15% of those ideas, <laughs> then isn't that better than those that might not have as many? Like, <laughs> Well, isn't that or the gift? Might- that is the gift of ADHD is... The ener- when the ADHD is on fire and it's energetic and 15% of it gets complete. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's the nice part. That's the nice part. And then the yeah. downside is wondering if it's enough, wondering if... Because you have those 75% of ideas that aren't getting complete in your experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Your- yeah. So I have all these yeah. other things I never accomplished. Exactly. Exactly. And then yeah. thinking oh, well, I failed on that and this person really liked this idea, but I I wasn't really able to see it through. Or there was something in the middle that made it too difficult for me to, like a big hurdle or something that made it too difficult for me to pursue it any further. That kind of thing. How do you be yourself when walking with shame and guilt? Yeah, that that's a difficult thing. And I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if part of my personality is a mere distraction. <laughs> oh, Carl, she's so fun. You know, she tells the best jokes and all that stuff. Like, I, I wonder what part of that is like, I don't want you to know. I don't want, you know, that whole imposter syndrome. I don't want you to find out. I want you to see someone who is confident someone who's on top of things i want you to see the social media life of mine <laughs> in real life perfect glowing you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like apparently like, oh, look. like you know I, I am very honest in my communications though with with people who are close to me they know that i'm on medication for adhd they know that i'm on medication for depression they know that sometimes I break down and, you know, and I need help. But the best thing about having a support group around you is when you need help, first of all, they allow you to be free to kind of do things your way. I will let you know. And um, I don't, I think that I've tricked a lot of people in my life. <laughs> Maybe and thinking that I'm you know, superhuman, I have all these things on the go and all that stuff. Um, but those who are close to me, they have they have been a wonderful support, a wonderful support, and um, and they're able to pick up 
uh, sometimes when when I say I've had enough, can you please take the reins? You know, or when I say that in an angry tone, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, and as you're sharing all that, what's interesting is that conundrum for people with ADHD, where our ambitions don't necessarily match the reality of time that we have to complete things, and that can be draining, right? And it's hard to match the ambition we have with the time we have. Absolutely. And then, you know, I, I find myself sometimes going to bed at 1 a.m., waking up exhausted and trying to do it all over again. You know, it's, uh, ugh. and it's, um, it's always, you know, I'm always thinking about, um, I'm always thinking about how how can I make this work? How can I make this work for me? What what time do I have to be able to do X, Y, and Z? When you're always striving for perfection, whatever that is, and maybe it's ADHD, maybe it's a bunch of complex things happening in my brain. But when you're always striving for for perfection, it, it gets increasingly more and more difficult to reach. I just wish I could be normal sometimes. Normal, whatever the myth of normal is, right? Like, mm. I just wish that I could be normal sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, the, like the downside of having, of, uh, of being neurodiverse is wondering and wishing what that normal employee experience would feel like. <sighs> I, yeah. I get some it. Tears. Yeah. Some tears. Yeah. What are you seeking when you say that you'd like to know what a normal employee experience is like? So what by me saying, I wish I knew, I wish I knew what it felt like to be normal. It's almost like, I wish I knew how to let go sometimes. I wish I knew how to do, do a job and um, and let it go. You know, I'm always thinking about that project. Was it good enough? I'm always thinking of interactions that I've had with people. Was that weird? Did that person think X, Y, and Z? I'm always thinking about other people's perceptions of me because maybe in my mind, I'm always just this weird little over-enthusiastic girl who always has to have all the attentions, telling all the jokes, all that stuff. So it's difficult for me to break out of, break out of the show. And for me to stop thinking about what other people think of me, especially in the workplace, especially in the workplace where you have, you have performance objectives, you have goals to complete, you have meetings to attend, you have deadlines, and sometimes, sometimes you're late and despite your best efforts, you're not able to do what you set out to do. 
you are unable to meet the expectations, the written expectations, I might say, of, of the organization that you work for. And so when I say, I wish I was normal, I wish I knew what it felt like to be normal, it seems like it seems like those who have thrived through the system, um, system of work, the system of school, all that stuff, have, have been able to follow those set of rules. And I, for some reason, have been kind of fumbling through this whole thing my entire life. Do I deserve this job? You know, do I deserve this promotion? Am I what people say I am? Am I the person that people think I am? What is the gift that you bring to your work? People have always said that I was creative. I didn't really embrace it until recently. I'm always thinking about new and exciting things. The thing is, I, I love, I love nothing more than serving others. Whether it be my coworkers, whether it be, you know, the participants that we work with, I, my family, I love, 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 love giving. I love, you know, being with people. Yes, I do need some recharge time, but I absolutely take such joy and pleasure in helping other people out. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I wish that I loved myself as much as I loved those other people that I was serving. <laughs> you know, what like, do you oh, love oh. about yourself? Let's let's hear that. What do you love about yourself? Uh that's hard. I think I I do love that I am I am able to connect with pretty much anyone. And when you think about the gifts of a person with ADHD in this world and our earlier discussion where we talk about systems, what thoughts might you want to leave us with? Imagine if we developed a school system. Imagine if we developed an, uh, a system of an economy where we're able to take interests, we're able to take skills and talents of the individual and kind of help those individuals see through to their potential. Imagine that. Imagine what a society would be if that were the case. There are inventors out there in the world who got kicked out of school, you know? And you think about some of the great minds like Thomas Edison, Neurodiverse individual, Van Gogh, neurodiverse individual. Think about the movers and shakers of today, uh, Greta Thunberg, you know, neurodiverse individual. And these are people who have been given the, the space to be able to explore, explore their interests and to really cut away from the norm. And back to Alana, who, by the way, is an inventor, shares her own ambitions at 21 Toys to support change in the education and business systems. I, I started with wanting to change education because of my experience with it. But like, 
the way that we run business. Like I'm seeing how people are running business and it's changing. We invented all of this so we can invent something different. Like we all know the education system was invented for the industrial revolution, right? We don't need that. It's not serving us. So why not? And yeah, I think it's both. It's like, how do I exist in this system that wasn't designed for me? How do I make myself work in that? And then how do I work with the people that are building something new? You know, sometimes I look at a lot of nations in Africa, some of the poorest countries uh, in Africa, and I look at the type of innovation that comes from the poorest of the poor. And I think there's a a reason why so much innovation happens at the margins. And it's because, you know, you kind of make do with what you have. And I think there's a really nice, there's a correlation there too between people who have ADHD make do with what they have within the constraints of systems that might not necessarily fit them. So I think that that's, uh, you know, something that I've, that I've recognized. And uh, I just thank goodness that I have been given the uh, abilities and, and, and opportunities and confidence to be able to carve my own path in many different roles that I've had. Oh, that resonates. I also thank goodness that I've been able to carve out my own path and to find my own successes and make my own story in this world of work. It's definitely been an interesting journey. And I hunch if you know some folks with ADHD, you've seen them doing the same. And something that I've learned from the work of Dr. Gabor Maté from Vancouver and his book Scattered Minds is that ADHD doesn't lead to creativity any more than creativity leads to ADHD because the root of each is sensitivity, the ability to see and feel the world with depth. And so while systems and structures are not necessarily made for the ADHD mind, it is the very person who walks with ADHD who has the skills and abilities to rebuild and reshape the world around them. Let's challenge the nine to five because we can absolutely rebuild these systems and structures that humans invented in the first place. To stay current with the topics that Canadian leaders and innovators are iterating in the world of work, follow and rate this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to engage in dialogue? Follow us on LinkedIn or check out our website, iterationspodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.